Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Rick, special guest, Lee J. Doosable is here. So he gets the question. Lee J., how many days until the NFL draft? Ooh, what's today's date? The 12th? It's 15 days, right? Oh, you got it. A little yeah, slow. <laughs> Look what you win. You win a with the first pick golf shirt. From- I've, been, I've been waiting for my shirt. I still haven't got it, guys. It's yeah. coming. It's in the mail. Go check the mailbox real quick, and I'll read this thing. When you get back, you'll have your shirt on. All right. Uh, well, Jay, you got it. 15 days away from the 2023 NFL draft. This is with the first pick. CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. Rick, this is episode 36 somehow. Feels like 360 if we're being honest here. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's my guy, Rick Spielman, our general manager, more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. That other voice you heard is our defensive lineman, Rick. Liget is back on the show. Liget Dujable played in the league from 2008 to 2017, and he's here, Rick, because we're talking top five interior defensive linemen, edge rushers, and linebackers in this draft class. But first, in case you missed it, On Monday, Rick and I talked draft props on the podcast, and I may have gotten Rick to say out loud that the Texans could take Anthony Richardson at number two. I did not say that out loud. Absolutely (laughs) not. Yeah, that is a under, if that's if you're betting, man. Devo, did he say that out loud? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You doctored up the show. I know how you do. You, like, switch voices and all that other stuff. (laughs) They got you on tape, Rick. Switch voices. He's a puppet master. But uh, to Rick's point, you'll have to listen to the show for context to see what Rick said and whether he said it the way he said it. He said it. And tomorrow, Rick, we're back for another Mock Draft Thursday. So look out for that. Oh, no, by the way, in addition to, to the mock, the, the props show that we did on Monday, Rick and I also did uh, the HQ hour-long draft show uh, with Joe Musso and Brady Quinn. And if you want to see Rick give Brady the business like he usually gives me the business, <laughs> check that out. That's on the um, CBS Sports HQ YouTube page. And speaking of which, you can watch this always live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. And you subscribe, leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up, do all those things, and drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, tell a friend. All right, Leger, you said you were excited to talk about your dudes because this is your this is your wheelhouse right here. We're going to start oh, yeah. with Edge guys. And, and I can just tell you, we can fix that too, Leger. That's what I do. I try to fix everything for everybody. I've told all my to scouts everything. in the craft room, go ahead and say what you want to say. I appreciate the hard work and energy you put into this <laughs> thing. I'll fix it at the end. <laughs> oh, Rick. my God. That's hilarious. Do they call you Rick the Fixer? Because that could be your nickname. Yeah, I've I got a lot of fixing to do. I mean, look how far Ryan has come since we started <laughs> with the mock. And where is that now with this mock? It's taken three or four months, but we're getting there. And we uh, only got 15 days until the NFL draft. We're almost there. And hey, I'm surprised you showed back up. We never had a repeat guest. That's right. This is the first. I feel special. Lige is the first two-time guest. That is important because he talked with us when Pete Prisco was here. We talked to offensive linemen and tight ends. Rick, I'll ask you a serious question. Uh, having Because uh, our buddy Pete Prisco texted us earlier today, you're almost coming on your one-year anniversary since coming to CBS Sports HQ. You worked the, the Vegas draft last year. 
Uh, much like this year, you weren't available on Thursday, the day, the most important day of the draft, but you showed up on Friday and Saturday. Um, and we've been together for a year, but I, I seriously, are you more, less, or right in between equally surprised at how much media folks tend to know about these prospects? Or are you underwhelmed? Where are you on that? <laughs> the over under why are you why are you yeah. laughing you're always laughing at things i say to you yeah because it's a i i, I will just say this i oh, appreciate God. all the wait hang on where's that thing yeah, get your paper out i appreciate all the hard work that ryan wilson and all the draft pundits put into God. their work on evaluating these players and putting their mock drafts together i'll take it that means you love it if that's my uh year in review rick that's an a plus in my book yeah yeah, All it's right. better than your mock drafts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, speaking of which, and I'm going to have to trick you into doing this because I know you don't want to do it because we only have 15 days. We're going to have to get you to do a mock draft. Oh, that's not in my contract. Hey, listen, doing 50 of these isn't in my contract either, but I got to do it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> if I got to do I'll, 50. I just fix people's mock drafts. That's what I do for a living. All right, I'll figure out a way to do it. Debo, uh, Debo's always he's, – he's secretly conniving. He'll get you to, to – fall for the trap and we'll get your mock draft because uh, people people want what they what they want rick all right let's talk edge guys and let's quickly we'll go through the sleepers here then we'll get to our top five and i'll explain the top five how we have them ranked here uh Leger, give me a sleeper in terms of an edge guy that a lot of folks aren't talking about but that has a chance to not only get drafted but make an impact early in the nfl career yeah let's head out to michigan eastern michigan that is jose ramirez the defensive end from Eastern Michigan. To me, he's a natural pass rusher now. He is a little slight in weight, right? I think he's like 240, 242, and sometimes get walked off the ball. But he has a really good feel in pass rush. You know, Rick, you could speak to this. A lot of guys, they like to run that hump, and they get past the quarterback, and, you know, tackles just run them by. He has a really good feel where he always falls up underneath and gets sacks on the quarterback and even gets the ball off the quarterback as well. I believe he also was the defensive Mac player of the year this past year. So he's a guy that I think can be a better pro than college player. And I think he's going to go in day three, but he has a chance to be a really good player in the NFL. Is so, he Rick, one of your non-combine guys, or was he at the combine? He was at the combine. I he believe. was at the combine, yeah. and he his measurements, this might be his all-star game measurements, 6017, so almost 6'2", 249, 33 and a quarter-inch arms, and he ran a 473, Rick. He's an Arizona Wildcat transfer by way of yep. Juco, now at uh, Eastern Michigan, as Lee J. mentioned. Okay. Yeah, I think at the combine, he weighed like 240, 242. Yeah, 6'1", 240-something, 4'7". He'll be a good college free agent. That's what you think? Just uh, you don't just, think he's gonna get drafted? Nope. He, Dollar. Okay, Lijay's another Write that one down. Back. I like I like him to get drafted. Yeah, there's his draft profile if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks to Mr. Debo there. So okay, well, well, that's a dollar bet. We'll see. Rick, DJ Johnson, edge rusher out of Oregon. You've been talking about for a few weeks. We we're supposed to talk about him previously. And we got um, sidetracked talking about other things. So tell me a little bit about DJ Johnson, who you seem to like. Yeah, no, I love this kid's energy and motor that he plays with. He's a little raw with his technique, but he keeps coming off the edge, and it's nonstop until the whistle blows. And then he goes to the combine. I think he's 6'4". I think he's around 250-something. Then he Two, runs a 4'4'9". 260 yeah. was his, was right. one of the one of the off-season weights, also yeah. gamer combine. At 4'4'9", and then he had 28 or 29 on the bench. This guy, when you watch tape, he was one of those guys where you just didn't want the tape to end because of how hard he played and how productive he was. And it was at the pack 12. So 
Um, this guy, I didn't know anything about. Then I, you start hearing some buzz of, about him, and he reaches all of the, I guess, criteria from a measurement standpoint. Uh, I know he's a little older. I think he transferred in from somewhere, if I, if I recall. He'll be 25 in October. But this guy is going to carve out a role as an edge pass rusher his rookie year, and he has an opportunity to continue to get better because the one thing he has is speed, effort, plays with his hair on fire, and if a defensive line coach doesn't have to teach that, they can teach the technical part of the game to him. So this guy, um, he's a four-star at Sacramento, but he started his career defensive end, then he moved to tight end in 2020, moved back to defensive end in 2021, so he hasn't had the consistency of playing at one position. Uh, Mitchell turned 25 in October, and I had him as a very early Saturday guy, Rick, so early fourth round. You're welcome because you didn't have him on the board earlier. Till we start talking about guys. I watched him on uh, December fourteenth while you okay. were playing while you were playing golf. If I recall correctly, I made a note of that. So. <laughs> All right, my guy, mm. defensive. Uh, I don't know if you guys see this on the rundown. Uh, defensive end out of Nebraska, O'Shawn Mathis. Six, Another transfer. Six four and a half, two forty seven. 34 and 7 eighths inch arms, Rick, almost 35 inches, 474. Let's see, where did he transfer from? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, I, I can't remember, recall, but I do remember he transferred in this year. You're right. Played 38 games in four seasons at TCU. Right. So uh, long arms, long legs. He looks like he can add weight on that frame. Uh, he has a bull rushing to be a problem. And again, Lisa, you can speak to this. When you have uh, nearly 35 inch arms, the bull rush can be your friend. It, it, I, I would let me ask you this because I was talking to Aaron Taylor, the the longtime um, NFL offensive lineman who played at Notre Dame uh, about the the long arm bull rush. Is it a thing that if your arms are longer, you have better leverage for the bull rush, or should you be like short arms because like you can bench press more when your arms are thirty inches as opposed to thirty five? Well, it's a combination, right? Uh, we're always taught you want to lock out your arm as quick as possible, especially on speed to power with the long arm. So, I mean, I mean, short arms is tough, right? Because an offensive tackle could put his hands on you before you could even get into his chest plate. But if you have that long arm, right, you, you talked about the, the length, would you say 35 and a quarter inch arm length, um, being able to get into that chest. And, right, you don't want to come with a bent arm. I don't know if people can see this. You want to kind of come with your arm almost already extended. That way you don't have that much to lock out when you go into that long arm. So that's going to help in him when he rushes the quarterback with that long arm. The thing is, you know, he's going to have to work on developing getting off of that, right? A right. lot of guys, they they stick in that long arm. I know we'll talk about Miles Murphy later. He's one of those guys. He's got to do a better job of disengaging at the top of the rush and getting and finishing at the quarterback. So, Rick, Mathis played mostly seven technique in, in college Nebraska, a little five technique, uh, six, four and a half, 247. Looks like he can add weight in nearly 35-inch arms. Those all check the boxes of, of the right size and weight for that position, right? Yeah, I just I, when I watched him on tape, I just wish he would pin his ears back and go. And I don't know what he was being taught because some guys, and Leger would know this, that hey, read first and then go. Yeah. Um, take care, you know. But if he would be more effective to me if you just tell him pin your ears back and go. Don't worry about reading the run first and then going. So I will put this up. Debo can put this uh, in the bet. Okay. My guy out of our sleepers will be number one off the board. Ryan Wilson's guy will be number two off the board, and Leger's guy will come in limping at a. Oh my god! 
Award. I mean, yours is going in the fourth round, so that's not a sleeper. Don't listen to what Ryan. He has no idea. <laughs> of, course I, of course I do, Rick. You know I do have ideas. Well, about Ryan, you. do we have quickly one more time for one more sleeper that I really like? Yeah, but let me let me lay this out quickly just so okay. Debo's taking notes about the dollar bet that Rick's about to lose here. But I have mm. Math as, as a late a late third rounder. Rick's guy, DJ Johnson, as an early fourth, and I have Lige's guy as a mid-fifth, just on on my secret board that no one can see, Rick. So we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> Who's your other yeah, guy? I have Ramirez you? as a fifth, sixth round pick. Oh, but uh Junior Fe- Junior Fielko, Rick. Oh, that's Pete, that's Pete's guy from San Jose State. I, I honestly think he could put some weight on and be more of a Type five, three, four type of guy, very productive at uh, you know, San Jose State was, I believe, Mountain West defensive player of the year. Um, he plays with his hair on fire, heavy hands, right? Needs to work on, you know, defining his rush a little bit more. But like you said, Rick, you can't really coach guys that play that tough and have heavy hands. So I like to see where, where you think he ends up going, uh, Rick. Oh, he'll be he'll get drafted late. He'll be before your guy from Eastern Michigan. <laughs> Yo, everybody's going before Jose Ramirez. <laughs> Lige, it's funny you mentioned Fioco out of San Jose State. Pete, I think, has him as his captain of his better than team, which you can read on CBSSports.com every year. Pete talks about guys that are sort of flying under the radar media-wise, and he does a pretty good job of, of identifying guys. I had uh, your guy, Fajoko, uh, going, going ahead of Jose. I had him going uh, a little earlier in the fifth. But right. uh, I liked him. And to your point, he's surprised. All right, let's get to the the top five edge rushers, and this is the aggregate rankings. We've talked about this in previous shows where we rank our top five guys. So each of us sent in our top five uh, edge rushers, and we'll do defensive line and linebackers in a second. And then Debo did the math and ranked them according to where they were or not rankings for one final with the first pick ranking. We'll start at number five. And this player, Rick, was not even on Lige's board. You and wow. I both had him number five. Nolan Smith, 439 Nolan Smith. 439, angry about it, Nolan Smith, who had the pec injury late in the year, didn't finish the season. High, high, high motor, doesn't drop into coverage, better against the run than as a pass rusher. And, Rick, I'll ask you first, what are we having to project about Nolan? Because the measurables in terms of the the weight ain't exactly where you want him for someone who's an edge rusher. No, but he he's, he's people are going to look at him, and people adjust their schemes now. The guys that are these undersized and, we had these talks all the time in the draft meeting. Okay, this guy is undersized, but he runs four three nine. I think he can be a really good pass rusher uh, as he develops because he does have physical tools to work with. I always try to look at the projection on guys, um, and this guy has some unique physical traits that someone will look at. I think he's not going to be as uh, put his hand down in the dirt and play. Uh, you know, seven technique or anything like that. This guy's going to have to be a wide nine technique and utilize all his athletic skill set to come humming off the edge. By the way, quickly, Leger, let me just recap in case I missed the first time. Nolan Smith, edge rusher out of Georgia. And Leger, I'll start by saying this. Actually, I'll give you my comp, and Rick, I'll let Rick talk, so he has to wait a second before he can yell at this comp. In terms of size and in terms of... Don't do it, right effectiveness. Oh, I, you'll never guess this one. Who do you think it is? Oh, uh, okay. I, I was hoping you were saying it ain't Hassan Reddick. Yeah, Reddick. Yeah, it's Reddick coming at you. <laughs> no, it's not. You, you okay, know. thank God. <laughs> All right, Rick. Hold Donald is Reddick, but let's let Brian talk. Rick, hold your face. Put your hands on your face, because I don't want to see your head explode when I say this. Yeah. Zach Bond. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he was undersized. They had to move him inside. I don't think you can move Nolan inside because he's never played inside. But here's here's my question for you, uh, Lige. So Jalen Carter, 
a year ago, 2021, that Georgia team that had five players going the first round on defense, Jalen Carter was the best player on that team. Yeah. Nobody knew who Nolan Smith was. So why am I, uh, should, why should I be high on Nolan Smith as a first round pick? 6'2, uh, 6'2, 238, uh, 32 and a half inch arms. Well, y'all saw my list. I didn't have him in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> We're being honest. So what's I your mean, concern? What, well, size for one, right? A lot of people are concerned. Can he hold up on the edge? And Rick kind of talked about that too. He's not going to be able to put his hand in the dirt. And you stated it right, right? He's a better run defender than blocker. Now he plays aggressive for a guy that's 238, right? He ran the 439. And he does have good lateral quickness, right? You see Georgia in, in their scheme. They slant him a lot. You see the redirection and everything. I just don't know. He's not proficient with his hands. Now, he does have some tools. I just don't think he has the, the skill set at that size to be a Hassan Reddick. So that's why I didn't put him in the top five. And to your point, Rick, like you can't play him an in inside linebacker because he's never done that. I don't think he can cover in space that well. So a guy that plays extremely tough, right? Has some skill set. Yes, he ran a crazy 40. I just don't feel comfortable taking a guy like that in the first round. Let, let me ask you this. And when you're evaluating guys, and, yeah. and this is my question that I used to ask all the scouts, is the things that are his negatives correctable with coaching? Can he become a better pass rusher if he learns technique? Or is it you just he's stiff in his hips, he's ankle stiff, whatever, that you can't correct some of the things that he does. But I always looked at guys and try to project them. If he has these freak athletic numbers, mm -hmm. and you can see some of it, but you see the flaws. Are those flaws correctable with coaching when he gets up to this level? And I'm glad you said that, Rick, because I, I have I've had to go back and watch some guys just because of that, right? Is this coachable or is it something that he cannot overcome right now? His size, the thing is, will he be able to get much mass, more mass, and how will that affect the speed? We we don't know that, right? That's not a coaching thing. That's his body type, right? Will he be able that to? That can't to, be corrected. He yeah, that can't be corrected. Now, some of the things you talked about, right, with some of his his pass rush, I think some of that can be corrected. But again, his his size just scares me. Now, great teammate. I've heard nothing but great things about him. I heard that this is a guy you want in your locker room for sure. Plays extremely hard. I'm, I just don't feel comfortable taking a guy that high with, with that many question marks as far as size. Rick, let me ask you, because Lige's number five on his edge rusher list is Will, Lander, uh, Will McDonald, excuse me, Iowa State edge rusher you mentioned. If you are sitting there, pick 20 to 30, you need an edge rusher, would you take Nolan or Will? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards Will. because oh, I'm okay. well, talking got, about Rick. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Because <laughs> he has length and he can run. And he has things that you can correct with coaching too. And I don't For think sure. they played him correctly all the time, but I was saying they reduced him, which was crazy. Yeah. You can't <laughs> weigh 230 pounds or 35 pounds, whatever he weighed in college, because he was in the 240s. But he has things, the arm length. And I just heard from his pro day, it was just off the charts outstanding. Another, as Ryan would like to refer to these guys, fine young men not only on the field, but off the field. Amen. But now that guy has length, and I think he is a little Hassan Reddick in him. That's who in my comparison would be to Will McDonald. 6'3 and a half, 241, 35-inch arms for Will McDonald. Which and makes him seven foot. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> Edge rusher, rusher at Iowa State. That was, I think those were his probably the nastiest spin in this draft class. His mm -hmm. combine numbers. All right, let's go to number four here. Lige again. Wants to be different. He doesn't have this player ranked at all. Rick, you have him fourth. I have him third. 
I'm just buying into the idea that Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher, even move him inside a little bit out of Iowa. It's just going to be, he's going to turn into something great because I think we can all agree. We watched him play in the fall and I've said this to Rick before. I thought he should come back to school. He didn't start a game. We talked about that a you lot. You said it on Monday's draft thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he goes, well, I thought this guy should come back to school, but I'm going to put him in a top 10. <laughs> but here's why. Because when you talk to teams, Rick, that's what they say. Like, I don't necessarily agree with it, and I don't see it. So I'm just going on the on the experts who have millions of dollars and in, in invested in, in trying to figure this out. I'm just one man. I'm one fine young man, Rick. I don't – I can't know everything. What I would suggest is – have your own opinion. Don't worry about what other people are saying because you don't know if they're right or wrong. I'm sure they're not batting a thousand either. No one bets a thousand. <laughs> well, here's what you see. No, I agree with that, and I do that, and that's why I'm prefacing that by I saying what know. I'm saying. I, I don't know. You, you don't take a guy that says come back to school and oh by the way I heard on the street that people like him so I'm going to put him in a heard, heard on the street yeah I was talking to the to the wino I was at the liquor store he said oh by the way Lucas Van Ness is going top ten that is good he can play he can play but the balancing act you have to do for people who do these mock drafts because Rick doesn't do them is okay I don't think he's going top 10 but if some team is going to take him top 10 let me put him up there for the sake of conversation so Rick I think you've weighed in on Lucas. You you were yelling and screaming Monday night on the HQ show. So I'll I'll let Lija yell at me first about Thank his you. concerns about Lucas Van Ness being a top 15 pick. Let's expand it a little bit. I mean, some of it was what you stated on the show on Monday, right? This guy's never started a game in college football, first and foremost. And then people are saying that he can reduce inside and play the three technique. When you watch film and break it down, right? This guy usually only wins with power. And at right. 276, he's going to get eaten alive on NFL guards playing at the three takes. So let me he, interrupt. Let me interrupt you just to say this. When I, I yeah. say that to teams, I say, oh, he's just learning to shave. He's just started shaving. I think he's, he probably knows how to shave. He's going to, they're going to put 15 on him. He'll be 290. Go ahead. So, so they're thinking in the future, right. <laughs> like you're projecting yeah. what he could potentially be, which right. is scary, Rick. Like you said, if you're taking a guy top 10, right? Um, because you're projecting what, he could put on 15 pounds of mass and be able to stay inside. I mean, if you look at it, a lot of his production at the three technique was them running stunts and pass rush games besides him winning with power, I believe one time versus Wisconsin. So when yeah. you look at a guy like that, right now, he does play well against the run disengages off with blocks really well. Um, and sheds guys really well, but that's not top 10. You're not taking a guy top 10 because he does that. Right. You want to see trace that Rick, Rick talked about the explosiveness and yes, he did run a really fast 40, but the one thing Rick could tell you about defensive line, you got to be able to run sideways full speed too. And you don't see that from him. And again, he wins with power, but he does struggle at the top of rushes, getting off blocks and, and collecting sacks. So I, I just don't feel comfortable taking a guy at that top 10. That's why I didn't have him in my top five. Actually, the, and people probably might look at me crazy. I didn't have him in my top 10 as far as edge guys or not edge guys, but as far as D lineman period in this draft. Rick, 6'4", almost 6'5", 272, 11 inch hands, 34 inch arms, 4'5", 844, someone of that size. That's the same. That's as fast as Roshan Johnson, the running back out of Texas, ran his 40. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, and then the one play that really stood out is supposedly the best left tackle in the draft. And I think he'll be a good, not great <laughs> player is uh, Paris Johnson. And he walked yeah. in back on a power rush off the he end. Did. But they moved him up and down the line. And I don't discredit the kid because I think that's the way Iowa does things. They, they, even though there may be a guy less talented, I think they play their seniors and then rotate the young guys through similar right. to, uh, was it Epinesa that came yep. out? Uh, that's right. So, but 
I thought he was maybe a little more upside than Epinesa, but Epinesa hasn't really lit it up in Buffalo either. He's been yeah. solid, steady, but he hasn't been Pro Bowl caliber, you know. And I've heard some crazy stuff out there too. I and uh, Leger, why don't you sit down and strap your seatbelt in when someone described the him to me <laughs> as the next JJ Watt when he moves inside? Mm. So no, somebody didn't say that. Please tell me somebody didn't you. say that. I'll, I'll give you their name and number so you can call them and yell. JJ is way more fluid, way more hip movement. I didn't with say I hands. agree with it. I just said that's what I heard. I didn't agree yeah, with it. Le- Le- what Rick does is, he, this is his comp, by the way. He floats the idea someone else said it. And then if you like it, he goes, oh, I said it. And then if you don't like it, he's said <laughs> So it's really his comp, right? That's what he's doing? <laughs> I will. Look, I'll give Prisco credit. He said uh, Trey Hendrickson, which is a, a pretty good one. I don't mind the Trey Hendrickson comp. Leger didn't like that one either. What about Kyle like Vandenbosch? He went old school. Vandenbosch makes a little bit more sense. I just think those guys are are better. Why do you got to compare just white guys to white guys? <laughs> I actually was thinking players. that. I was like, hold on. Yeah. Well, let's look at all the white, <laughs> stiff uh, defensive ends. And <laughs> you said you said AJ Panessa. Yeah, so that, that mixes it up. I, I mix it up. You guys don't. You guys yeah. are. Uh, <laughs> you do make a point of, of mixing up. I'll give you credit for that. You refuse to say Jason Seahorn for Raleigh Moss. So I'll give you credit for that. You made that yes. clear early on. No Jason Seahorn comps for Raleigh Moss. All right, let's move on. Miles Murphy, edge rusher out of Clemson. Rick, you'll be happy to learn he is, in fact, 6'5". I don't know why I have to keep telling you that, uh, but I do. And he finally ran. At, ran fast. He ran, he ran four, really fast. Four five. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, I think it was, think it was like five. four, five, eight or something like that. Ooh, okay. All right. Six, uh, I mentioned almost six, five, 268, the four, five ish. So our guy, Lucas Van Ness, only benched, uh, 225, 17 times. I don't know if you guys care about that. I remember AJ Panessa might have been at 13. So that was sort of surprising. But I mentioned that because Miles Murphy, edge rusher out of Clemson, hit it two, uh, 25 times. And, uh, that certainly gets your attention with nearly 34 inch arms. Just turned 21 in January. And Lija, you have Miles ranked fourth on your list. Rick has him third. I also have Miles ranked fourth. Why do you have Miles with more upside than Lucas? Both incredibly athletic, both incredibly raw. I think Miles probably flashed a little more during the season because they allowed him to start football games. Uh, but why do you like him uh, more than Lucas? Yeah, I think his his power rush is a little bit more defined than Lucas. Like Lucas puts two hands on guys. Like Miles Murphy's speed, the power is defined by one arm. Now he does need to do a little bit better job, like a lot of these young guys. Just finishing and getting off of that right you saw it in the the Notre Dame game when he had the sack right he, he knocked it back but he fell into the quarterback he really didn't disengage off the block right and I think when Rick talked about can some of the things he needs work on be worked on right I think he needs to work on his stab slap a little bit more because I think that's a great counter off of his long arm you see it I think you saw it versus Louisiana Tech look really good and then you really didn't see it the rest of the year so that shows that it's in his bag with Lucas Van Ness I never really saw that Hey, Lee okay, J, let me that. interrupt you and ask you, why do you think – does Miles not trust that pass rush move against when, when, like, the heat gets on, he goes to what feels good? I mean, it's a little bit of that, right? You always have, you always have your fastball. I had a coach defensive line tell me you always need a fastball and then a changeup off of that, right? And then also, Ryan, we actually talked about this on the phone, I think down in Mobile too. I wonder what the defensive line coach is teaching these Clemson guys because if you look at them, right, and even going back – to Christian Wilkins, going back to Cleveland Farrell, Shaq Lawson, right? The Clemson D line, they they're a lot, they're movement guys. They slant a lot on that defensive line, right? You never really see any guys working their hands purely on that defensive line. So you wonder if that's something they're getting coached. And and contrary to the popular belief, 
a lot of college coaches don't know what they're doing, right? Mm. Uh, Rick can tell you that. A lot of these college coaches, they struggle as far as teaching the technique the right way at the next level. So I think there's something that Miles Murphy can work on. I think he can be a really good player. You talked about how young he is, right? But the power and, and grit that he plays with is really, really good. Now, I think in some of his run technique, right, as far as when there's two tight end sets, I've seen him get caved in inside. I think that's a technique thing. I think he has mm. the power to, to withstand that, but it's going to come down to technique. But as far as the upside, right, he's one of the top upside guys in this draft class. Everything starts with power for him, but I think he has the ability – to counter off that power and be a really good player in the league. Rick, yeah, let's say you're it out. I'll just ahead. defend the college coaches because they only have X amount of time to work with these kids. Where in the NFL, they have a lot more time. You're just doing football. So you can work on the technical aspects of the game, especially if you get with uh, some really good defensive line coaches in this league. So a lot of times they're rushing, trying to put in game plans and they don't have as much time to maybe focus on, individual slash technical things as much as they would like to, too. So I'm just trying to make sure that we can get into pro days next year, Ryan. <laughs> no, yeah, hey, right. And by the way, Lige Doosable, you can email him for all complaints and do not let that man into the pro days. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Rick, let's say you're picking 16th and your team needs an edge rusher. That's the number one priority. I would imagine Miles Murphy and Lucas Van Ness are clustered together when you go through this process. Yeah. Up. Who are you taking? Yeah, well, who are you taking? Uh, oh, gosh. I don't know, man. It's close. Uh, yeah, you got you got to make a decision. We're on I, the clock. I'm taking Miles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Well, that's good. You finally made a decision instead of deflecting, asking every, me all the time. Uh, by the way, on the table and pound pound on the table for somebody. All right, I'm pounding for Miles, but you've said previously that maybe he's too smart. Were you just half kidding? Or are you serious? I was half kidding, but okay. he's a very intelligent young man. When he came on the, uh, not only fine but intelligent too. Super smart. Uh, when he came on. Is this the one you said that, boy, man, you you must be 6'3". Yeah, that was him. <laughs> yeah, the guy's like head is hitting the uh, okay. studio lights as he walks on the stage. Lige, I've heard this story 4,000 times. The, the, biggest, <laughs> the biggest regret of my career is telling Miles Murphy that I thought he was 6'3". <laughs> I thought it was the, the was it the Dalton Kincaid mustache story. Lucas. No, that's it, too. Lucas, it was, it was, uh, he had uh, a hard, Ryan had a hard combine when we Luke bring Musgrave, up. Luke Musgrave, yeah. Yeah, then he dropped the mic on me one time because I was asking too many questions. Almost walked off the stage. He's hard to work with. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> all right, let's go to Tyree Wilson here. Miraculously, we all have him as our number two. Um, I don't know where I heard this. I can't have heard so much stuff recently. We were we talked to him at the at the Senior Bowl. I think you saw him too there, Lije, and yeah. uh, didn't play because of the foot injury. The foot injury is supposed to be okay. I don't think he's worked out yet. I've heard maybe the foot injury is more serious than perhaps we thought. So that's up in the air. We also like him as a football player, number two. He's a little older, not old, but he's older than Miles Murphy and Lucas Van Ness. Is there anything about his game that can was another transfer, too, if I'm not mistaken? If Texas I A&M. He couldn't get yeah, he went on to the field A&M. A&M for some reason, yeah. which is crazy to think about in retrospect. And then he's mostly a power guy. So any concerns, Lige, uh, about – adding more to that pass rush arsenal because he wins with power now. And that's easier to do when you're playing Texas tech schedule than it is. If you're, if you're playing an NFL schedule. Yeah. I mean, but with his size and arm length, right. Everything's going to start with power. And honestly, and I haven't heard too many people say this, but I'm going to say it. 
honestly think he could put on a few pounds and be a tight five or three, four in. Cause if you watch him, oh, he can do it, but Lucas Van Ness can't do it. Okay, go ahead. Nah, body, body frames mean everything. (laughs) But if if you look at, look at it on tape, right? Ryan, like when he wins inside, he's splitting the guard and tackle. How many times on tape do you see him splitting guards and tackles and getting to the quarterback? He did it versus Kansas state and got a sack with his arm length. He did. I mean, the NC state game, he took over and I actually watched a few of these guys play NC state. And it's funny how that was their best game. Of the year, that left tackle from NC State had some some trouble with some of the yeah. top guys in the league. Whether it was Tyree Wilson or Miles Murphy, he saw some of the best rushers in this draft this year. But as far as him being able to play with, then now Rick kind of talked about this earlier with uh, your your guy from Nebraska, and I feel the same way about Tyree Wilson. I I just felt like he should play with more physicality and his hair on fire sometimes. Like you watch him on tape in the run game with backside pullers and and tight ends on split zones. And he turns it down sometimes, which is kind of weird for a guy that big, right? You just wish he played a little bit more physical. But when he gets inside and, and, and he rushes, whether it's his inside move or he's on a head-up, you know, five technique and he has to split the guard and, and, and tackle, I mean, he does it with so much power. And then the arm length, right? Sometimes he'll, he'll reach and get to the quarterback two, three feet away from him because of the arm length. So this is right. a guy that has a lot of tools. The, the, the length is something that you can't coach or teach, like, that's DNA. That's genetics. Like he has that compared to everybody else. And again, I think he could honestly put on like 10, 15 pounds and be a good three, four in uh, a type five guy. So again, Tyree Wilson, that's rusher out of Texas tech, Rick 35 and five eighths inch arms. And we stood next to him and he looks like he could have, you know, been on, been an NBA center with, with the, the length that he uh, had. Actually, not a center, maybe a power forward. Power forward. Well, yeah. but you know, I'm terrible with heights. I thought, horrible with comparisons. I thought he was seven. <laughs> I thought he was seven four when I met him because you know I'm so short. So I didn't know the actual height till I got the measurements. All right, Rick, let's move on to Will Anderson because you and I've talked Tyree to death. We like him. Everyone's number one guy. And Rick, we know how you feel about Will Anderson. You know how I feel about Will Anderson. I want to get what Leger thinks because our buddy again, Pete Prisco, always says he's not as explosive as guys that have come out recently. He 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 gets blocked. Darnell Wright killed him. The Tennessee right tackle. Darnell Wright did have a good game against him, but and the, here's what I say to Pete: What about the 2021 tape? And he doesn't he doesn't answer that question. So mm. where are you, at Will Anderson? And I always say this about Will Anderson: He's the easiest pick in this draft. In much the same way that Aiden Hutchinson was an easy pick, and Chase Young, and the Bosa's in terms of you just take a guy at the top. You know you're going to get production out of them. They're not the same players, but in terms of if you're a general manager and want to sleep well at night, you just take Will Anderson. Yeah, before I get into this, I remember Pete said this last time we were on here, right? Like, you can't forget about production, right? If a guy is highly productive in college, it's a good chance he's going to be productive in the league. And I know a lot of guys are always trying to assess what a guy can be in the league. My thing is, don't overthink this with Will Anderson, right? This guy has a complete bag. Uh, I would say he's more slippery than Bendy as far as his rushing. He does have a full arsenal, whether it's his inside swipe move or his his stab slap on the outside or his, you know, jab inside, club on the outside. He can do it all. The guy plays really tough. Uh, the two games that do concern you, though, are the Tennessee game versus Darnell right? And then the Texas game, right? Things weren't going his way. Had like four, four or five penalties that game, right? Two were mental, as we would call Rick. He lined up offsides. One yep. jumped offsides, and then uncharacteristic late hit on a running back, way out of bounds, frustration foul. So and he knocked, I mean, that could have just knocked. been one bad game. So I don't want to write him off and saying that you know sometimes he can get in his own head, but in that game he definitely did. And he knocked Quinn Ewers out of that game too, right? Was that that hit? Was that his? I don't, hit I don't know. I don't know if it was him that knocked him out. Oh, okay, but yeah. 
Um, he right, actually I, struggled in that game for most until the end. He started making some plays. But as far as a guy that has a complete package, Will Anderson definitely has it. He's my number one edge guy. And to your point, Ryan, I think you make make a really good point. Like last year, Jacksonville was going over the upside with Trayvon Walker instead of the, the production of Aiden Hutchinson. And I, I bet they wish they had that pick back this year. Rick, if you let's say you have the third pick and you can be any team, it's actually the Cardinals, you need – equally a defensive lineman and an edge rusher and the players are the players that we know th- as we know them now Jalen Carter with all the stuff going on with him and Will Anderson you equal needs who you taking I'm I, Will Anderson all the way okay because he's productive he's a great kid um he's going to be a very good pro I watched him in 21 and I thought he was one of the most dominant Alabama defenders that came out in a long time this year wasn't as the same uh, but they reduced him down inside some, which I don't think he can do. But you, but this kid sometimes I think just watching, he had so high of expectations, so high expectations put on him that he was trying to press too much early in the season. Then he kind of relaxed and got a little better towards the end of the season, and he just needs to relax and go play. Uh, because everybody said, well, this is the best defender has come out in a long time, blah, blah, blah. And he almost put too much pressure on himself to try to do too much and just said to go back and play football. And I thought he did that better towards the end of the season. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back. We're going to talk defensive linemen right after this. All right. Top five defensive linemen. We'll start the sleepers. And we got 25 minutes to go through 10 positions. So uh, I'll just name these guys and then we'll get to getting. And if we want to talk about it, if there's some time left over, maybe we'll do that. But Kobe Turner, Wake Forest, our guy, Rick. That's <laughs> that's Rick, you're hating on Kobe T- Turner. Turner's got a great voice, too. Uh, let me mention the other names and I'll give you 15 seconds about Kobe so you can defend your guy. Rick has Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green, who is enormous. I uh, had a really good senior bowl. I like him. Devonsha Maxwell is my guy out of UT Chattanooga on the radar late. I think he gets a chance to get drafted. All right, give me your uh, Cliff's Notes version of why you like Kobe Turner, Lee Yeah, I'll keep it quick. Uh, explosive uh, athlete at the three, technique and nose position. Is a little undersized at about 288, but plays extremely hard. And then, Rick, you know his background story. FCS walk-on at Richmond, became an All-American. Now, he didn't start at Wake Forest, but he was probably their most productive guy inside. I think he has a chance to, to be a really good pro now. He didn't get invited to the combine, which I thought was a snub. I think he'll be a guy that gets drafted in like the fifth round. He can go. He'll he may go right in front of your guy as a college free agent from. Jose Ramirez. <laughs> yo, Rick is disrespectful, yo. Oh, see, 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 Rick. It's not just me. You guys are like scouts in the room. I just love like. <laughs> really? <laughs> this is exactly how I was. Very sarcastic in the uh, draft meetings. <laughs> oh, no. Don't trust Man. me. I, I believe it. All right. So let's go to our top five here. Again, the aggregate rankings. We each gave Debo our top five. He did the math and came up with the total rankings for the with the first pick official top five defensive lineman at number five. Tommy Adabare out of Northwestern. And Lije, you have him number two on your list. Both Rick and I have him unranked. I was talking to someone today uh, who knows such things. He may not be a top 100 pick, I heard. So you sell me on Tommy Adam. What? He tested through the roof, by the way. Through the roof. And dominated the senior bowl. And do- he did dominate. So let me get it. You can talk, and I'll get his measurables here. Six, okay. one and, six, one and five eights, 284, 34-inch arms, four. Oh, my God, this guy ran a 449, 82-inch wingspan. All right, go ahead. 
I mean, one of the most versatile defensive linemen in football. We talked about this earlier, Rick. Uh, we watched this Nebraska game. They lined him up all over the field. The Ohio State game was probably his best game versus the best competition, right? You saw him more inside at three technique. Play that comes to mind, third and one, right? You saw the knockback, right? That's the type of athlete he is, the explosion. Plays with good leverage, obviously, because he's a shorter guy. He knocks uh, their guard 74 back into the backfield, gets a tackle for loss, and gets Northwestern off the field. I mean, he gave, you know, Whippler some issues one-on-one in pass rush. I think he could be an attacking three technique at the next level, um, it's something that they didn't really do as much at Northwestern, but he, he, he got to do that at the Senior Bowl. And there wasn't a guy that blocked him at the Senior Bowl in one-on-one pass rush. So I think he's a guy that can be dominant as a three-technique pass rushing guy, but he also has the flexibility to give you some some type five work, too, on the edge. So, Rick, what, what do you do with someone who's 6'1 and 5'8 and 284? Yeah, that's what, that's what you're going to do in the draft. You're going to be talking to your defensive line coach, and they don't like short guys. You're not going to draft them. Uh, you know, and some of the defensive line coaches I've been with, they want guys that have length and they think some of these guys are too small, um, regardless of how good they are. Um, but you just got to have the coaches on board when you take a guy, if you're going to draft a guy like this and make sure they understand that he's not going to get any taller, although his arm is incredibly long for a, for a six one guy. So it makes him taller. I think the biggest thing in, in Leger, you talked about it. He didn't have – he plays hard, love his motor. Uh, he didn't have as much production at the collegiate level. He did pop down at the senior bowl when you were watching him down there. But do you think he'll be more productive as an NFL player, uh, countering what you said earlier than he was in college and not as much production? Yeah, I think so because I think a lot of guys wow. – you can tell and me if I'm right, Rick. <laughs> You said what? You said you got a forked tongue. You said you're speaking on both sides of your mouth. No, I think he's going to be a better pro than he was college guy because, I mean, he was – like, if you look at what he did at the senior bowl, I think that's where guys project him playing at the next level. And, again, if you look at the Ohio State tape, when he actually played three technique, he played really well at three technique. So that's the thing. At Northwestern, he was the best guy on defense and line, so they just moved him up and down the line of scrimmage. But I think projecting it in the NFL, I think it could be attacking three techniques, especially in a system like Seattle or San Fran or even the Jets, right? That Those type of attacking systems, I think he'll fit in well. Hargrave? Oh. Comparison, you're saying? Yeah. Oh, no. That's rich. Yeah. I, Hargrave is a different beast. I mean, size-wise alone, I couldn't compare them to. Now, pass rushing-wise, yes, I see that. I can see where you're going with that. I just okay. think. That's who your comparison is with it? Well, I'm just talking about pass rush. But Hargrave, I remember when he came out of South Carolina State. Awesome to run game. It took him a while now. Uh, It did. So all of a sudden, he became – he wasn't that when he was first two or three years in in the league. He was more of a a little bit of a uh, run-stopping nose type tackle. Correct. And then he learned how to rush a passer. All right, number four on the list. This guy is fourth on Lige's list. Third on Rick's list. I have him unranked. Uh, I just checked. I have him going uh, late third round. That could certainly change. He had a good senior bowl. Keanu Benton. Rick, we haven't talked much about him. Tell me why he he's now third on your list. Well, I the, I think everything that he does is correctable with coaching. I think. By the way, quickly, sorry to interrupt you. Defensive lineman out of Wisconsin. I, I I'm terrible about telling listeners where he's from. Wisconsin defensive lineman, six three and a half, three twelve. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, but 
he play, when he plays with his pad level down and squared in line of scrimmage, he doesn't get moved off the line of scrimmage. When he gets moved off the line of scrimmage, a lot of times is when he may be working laterally down the line and he turns his shoulders and he has no power base then. And then when you watch him as a pass rusher, again, it's all technical with this guy because I think he's a very good athlete for his size. And down at the senior bowl, you start seeing him learn how to work the edges of offensive linemen. You just don't rush down the middle of these guys all the time. Once these guys figure out how they can work the edges and bend the edges, and he has the athletic skill set, because I don't think he's stiff through his lower, that he's going to be a better pass rusher than people give him credit for. So I'm looking at my notes here, and it looked uh, basically similar to what you said. It, look, sometimes he played too upright. I don't know if that's the right way to think about it, but he got taken for a ride sometimes, even though he's built the way he's built. DJ, 6'4", 6'3 and a half, as I mentioned, 312, nearly 34-inch arms. So when Rick says that's technique, how do you, how do you fix that, given the size? I mean, you're 312. You shouldn't be getting pushed stay around. Stay square. That's not that yeah, hard. Stay, it's stay square and pad level was, was his biggest thing, right? And, Rick, everything you said was 100% on mark right at the senior bowl you talked about it right uh, you know you know we talked about tommy out of barre ben didn't get blocked down there either right and when i look at pass rush rick the one thing i always look is does a guy's feet stop on rushing right when you turn on the tape of Benton, his feet never stop he's always going forward i mean the iowa game he dominated in that game now the, the game versus ohio state is probably the game you're talking about right it, right. it got kind of ugly for everybody on wisconsin's <laughs> defense that game it got really i think they were down 21 nothing still first quarter mm-hmm. um but as far as you know him being able to play squares as, as as uh you know rick said like he does it at a high level it's just sometimes he gets too high and he gets turned when he when he gets too high is when he gets turned but as far as playing with leverage and staying square and keeping blockers from getting to the next level he does a good job of doing that and then he has the ability to rush inside so honestly we can look back on this and he might be besides jalen carter i would say one of the best defensive tackles in this group once Ooh, we look that's back on this keanu benton out of Wisconsin. Make a note. That's what Lee J just said. All right, let's go to tied for second, as Debo has him in the rankings. Lee J and uh, me have this young man third, Rick, and you have this young man fourth, Rick. Just off of respect to you two. Oh, thank you. <laughs> was that what it was, Rick? Yeah, just, just trying to respect the process. Respect the process. And this young man, of course, is Kalaja Kansi, defensive lineman out of Pitt. And Rick, um, excuse me, Lee I'm going to start with you because Rick and I yeah. have talked about it. Here's the thing. He's almost 6'1", 281. Okay, fine. 467. That gets your attention. 30 and 5'8 inch arms. His arms are two inches shorter than Peter Skaronsky's arms, who we say has extremely short arms. So this is historically short. This is Bryce Young short, short for arms. How yeah, is he going to be able to bring my man Bryce into this <laughs> Bryce catching straight. So how how are you going to transition from dominating ACC interior offensive linemen to going up against interior NFL offensive linemen who have 34 plus inch arms at times? Well, this is my question. We were just talking about Tommy Adabare and his height, right? Kalaji can't uh Kalaji can't you had him as number two, right? Right on your list. He is number three. Me and you have him three. Number three. And you didn't even have Adabare on your list, but Adabare has what 35 inch arms? Yeah. Yeah, 34 plus. <laughs> so I mean with a Kalaji can't everything is explosion, right? Explosion. You can see it on tape, but you know, people throw out the comparison to Aaron Donald. I can see why he's not Aaron Donald, right? As far <laughs> as being able to hold up against the double team. Now because he's so explosive, and you'll see this on tape, Rick, a lot of times on double teams, they're rigid, they're on the point of attack, he holds up well, but then he gets taken over 
because of the lack of size. Now, Sometimes I thought he was like had the middle zone and cover three. I was, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's the thing now off the snap though he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna rock you off the snap, but yeah. then his size becomes an issue, right? And I also saw the Louisville game, right? He was a three technique. He got he didn't get reached. He actually had the B gap because his arms were so small he couldn't disengage and get off the block and they end up getting a forty plus yard run on that play in his gap. So those are the things that concern you. But he's definitely the best pass rushing three technique. In this draft class, I mean, you see the cross chops, you see the the arm lifts and everything else. You see him being able to transition really quick and play action pass, which is rare for a guy coming out of college. So as far as all the tools, he has all the tools, Rick. You talk, but what you talked about, his size is a concern at the next level. So let me ask you, Lijay, are you taking him in the first round? I'd feel comfortable taking him at the back, like the last two picks of the first round and then early second. Rick, if you're the Eagles or the Chiefs, are you, oh, you taking, know, him in the first round? taking him? Rick ain't taking him. <laughs> Would you take him middle second? I, he he comes in second to third round for me. Okay, and that's mm. all because so he if he has thirty two and five eighths inch arms, same as Peter Skaronski. My biggest issue is I don't think this guy's going to be able to line up and hang in there for four quarters versus okay. combo blocks, double teams, yeah. things like that. He's going that's to get the issue. knocked off the ball. Now, if you want to say I'm going to roll him in and be a a nickel pass rusher and uh, and and rotate him in there, then I think yeah, he's going to have a pretty good career because I do think he's an explosive inline pass rusher. I just had an issue on a couple of the games that I saw when he has to anchor and hold at the point versus the double teams and combo blocks. It looks like sometimes he's got you know curl on on cover three <laughs> ten yards down the field. For people don't understand that, that's Ricky saying different. he's dropping the coverage yeah. on a curl route. He's got curl. He's got curl responsibility on defense. Yeah. He's playing. He's playing ten yards off between the hash and the end and the sideline. Correct. <laughs> or he's getting knocked back that far. Might as well cover something. That's, oh my goodness. That's, that's sorry, Rick. Send your uh, complaints to. You're not going to the pit uh, pro day next year. <laughs> <laughs> no sir. Uh, they don't have a quarterback, so we're okay there. All right, let's move it on. <laughs> Uh, number two, tie, also tied for second with Clyde Jacancy. Lige gave this guy a goose egg, Rick. He didn't even put him on his, lick, uh, his list, excuse me, and you and I have him number two. And Rick and I have talked Brian Brzee to death, uh, interior defensive lineman out of, out of Clemson. And Lige, you and I talked about him as well. The the personal tragedy with his, his younger sister passing right. away because of an illness. He had the, the crazy sicknesses where he was getting like in, uh, lung infections. or And then the year before, he had the ACL. So – you have to put all that aside when you do the evaluation because the tape in 2022 is not fun to watch if you're trying to find some some nuggets. So explain to me why you have him where you have him, and are you able to project beyond all the, the stuff that he's had to deal with? Well, well, that's the thing, right? You talked about the 2022 tape. You kind of have to put that to the side. But, it's, it's, I mean, as an evaluator, I would say, and maybe Rick can speak to this more than me, that's got to be tough, right? Because – you are what your tape says. Now, again, you, you're dealing with some personal tragedy. He dealt with some injuries as well, too. But when I watch him on tape, man, he just doesn't play to his size. Like, point of attack, he's not as strong. I think he's more I of a movement. Yeah, he's, he's way too high. Pad level is bad. I think he's more of a movement guy, Rick. I think, like, when he's able to slant. And we talked about this earlier with Miles Murphy and Clemson D-line, period. Like, a lot of those guys. I think Christian Wilkins is a perfect example, right? If he had to go to a point of attack team, I don't know if he would be as productive as he's been at with the Miami Dolphins, right? He went to the perfect scheme for him because they slant and move him a lot, right? And he's disruptive doing that. But as far as just holding 
the point of attack, Brian Brzee doesn't do that well. So I don't feel comfortable taking a guy in the first round. And then what's his pass rush plan? Again, you can coach some things, but I would like to see some natural pass rush ability. And I, I just haven't seen it enough on tape to feel comfortable to take this guy that high in the draft. So that's why I left him off of my top five. So, Rick, would you take him in the first round if you needed it to fill that position, just knowing everything that we know about him? I mean, he we talked yeah, to him in the combine, great young man. We know all that stuff. Yeah, no, I think you're betting on to come with this guy. And yeah. You're giving him, I don't want to call it a hall pass because of the tragedies and everything he's gone. But you look at him, and I didn't go back that far, but before the injury and everything he had to deal with, he was a pretty good uh, football player. And I think when you're doing this, you're projecting him that, hey, all this is past him now. You're talking a lot, lot about this in the meetings and, and with him and all the sources that you have. But he's a big kid that is athletic. And I always go back and look at, okay, I can't teach his size. I can't teach his athleticism. I can teach him to pay with a lower pad level. I can teach him better technique running pass. Because uh, I don't think he is an ankle stiff guy or a lower body stiff guy either when he plays with his pads down. But a lot of these guys, first thing they look at, and Leger, you can talk about this, is a lot of these guys, they want to pop up out of their stance. So the first thing they're looking at is trying to look in the backfield. And when you yeah. do that, that's when you get your rear end knocked off the ball. Because you got guys, you, you're not playing your technique, you're not playing your scheme sound or whatever you're supposed to do. Do what you're required to do instead of trying to peek up in the backfield all the time and get that corrected. I think that this guy, if he's sitting there and let's say Philly's picking at the bottom of the first, to me it's a no-brainer because they don't have defensive tackle depth. Um, And I think this guy has a chance to develop into a pretty good player. And he's young still. So I think he's got a lot of upside to him. All right, Rick, let me ask you this, because our number one guy is Jalen Carter across the board. No one disputes that. And let's say, again, knowing everything we know about these players, off-field, on-field, so on and so forth, are you taking, if you're the Eagles, Jalen Carter at 10 if he's there? Are you going to do something else to get Brian Brzee at 30 because he's less of a a potential problem? I'm taking a guy that I think would be, like, the best player at the three-tech. Not even a question. Yeah. So you're not worried at all about comfortable with everything and all the research I did and all the stuff that we'll never know outside of that organization, but inside all the work and technique, if I feel comfortable understanding the red flags that are out there now, if I get those red flags and pull them down, then you're taking a potential perennial pro bowler and maybe one of the most dominant three techniques that will be in the league for a long time. So no let me ask I'm passing on this guy if I feel comfortable with everything else. Yeah, that's a big that's the big gift. So Leger, let me ask you two questions. Number one, I'm guessing you think, but you can answer for yourself. He was the the best defenser, best defender to come out of Georgia the last couple of years with all those first round picks. And number two, if you're the veteran in the locker room and he's cutting up, what are you saying to him if he's in your meeting room? Yeah, to me, Jalen Connor's the number one prospect in his draft class, uh-huh. talent-wise. It's I don't even think it's up for debate. Um, to answer your question, right? I think that matters too, what locker room he goes to. And Pete, you know, Rick can speak to that too, right? Honestly, I don't think he makes it past pick five. If you look at what you know, Pete Carroll has done with some guys that have had quote unquote trouble pass. Celebrate their uniqueness. Pick. That's their thing. Yeah. That's 
there. I think he's a perfect fit at number five. I don't think he gets past the Seattle Seahawks. A lot of people will say Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. Let's not forget, right, Nintendo Wosu was a big pickup for them in free agency, played really well, had nine and a half sacks. They took Boye Mafe in the second round. And Daryl Taylor, if I'm them, I'm trying to extend that kid right now, right, before he hits free agency. So you got three outside edge guys already if you're Seattle. I think if you add a guy like Jalen Carter to Draymond Jones, you're looking at something special on defense for Seattle. Uh, to me, the number one prospect, like I said, in this class, he's just dominant at times. Like, he destroys blockers in the run game. And a lot of times, he's just so better than everybody, Rick. He does it with high pad level, and there's nothing that anybody can do. Hey, and Lejay, he about we agree with all that. But let me ask yeah. you, why is he showing up nine pounds overweight to his pro day? Now, that is a concern, but let's let's not forget, right, Rick, and we talked about this before, right? He was dealing with some legal issues, had to fly back to Georgia and then fly back to um, the Combine. While dealing with those legal issues, I, we don't know what his workout schedule was. Yeah. Uh, so, like, when you put take that into consideration, and Rick talked about this too, supposedly he's supposed to have another workout with teams coming up. Now, if he shows up overweight there and doesn't look good, then you have some concerns. But I think when you're that young and you're dealing with that many things, when you have to travel back and forth, dealing with legal issues, not being able to work out like you need to, I think he's going to be overweight a little bit. Now, he still didn't look fat in the videos that I saw, right? He still no. looked well put together. Just and we can also tell you this. This is some insider information for everybody. Joe Cullen ran that session. And if anybody knows Joe Cullen, you can be in the best shape <laughs> of your damn life. You're going to be tired in them workouts. Yeah, I had Joe as a coach be for two years. On the floor. Yep. Yeah, I had, a co- I had him for two years. That was the best shape I've ever been in my NFL career. Joe Cullen is going to pull it out of you. But I thought it was interesting that they didn't show the other defensive linemen because I would love to see how Nolan Smith was. <laughs> they were, pa- they were passed out. Yeah, so I'm like, just some insider information, not absolving Jalen Carter at all. But well, Joe that's Cullen's going to know. get it out of you. No, that's great to know. That's right, because we make assumptions. uh, It'll be interesting to see how he looks once he does those other workouts that he's supposedly supposed to have pre-draft process. And I think, if, like Rick said, he checks all the boxes. I I don't think he makes it past pick five. No. No. No, and then the other thing, too, that was disappointing, and I understand that because, you know, when you say I'm not going to go anyone outside the top ten, and I've talked about this before. (laughs) Well, what if I'm 14? I want to move up to nine. Straight up, yeah. Uh, They said he changed his tune on that, though, Rick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and if he's sitting there at 14, Rick, you're still taking him no matter how bad you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, funny how, it's funny how all of a sudden guys are talented. There's a little bit more leeway in the draft room. No question. Uh, we're talking about Leger's Eastern uh, Michigan guy. He's off the board. <laughs> Dang. He just, well, he man, just my la- man Ramirez is going to ball out in the league. He latches on to something and he he's like a, a pit bull. He ain't going to let it go. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to go through these linebackers right quick right after this. All right, top five linebackers. So we are 58 minutes into this thing. So I'm going to read through the top five lists as we have them. I'll go through our sleepers as well. And then I'll pick out a few for us to talk about uh, because it's unfair to do short shrift to the linebackers, but they Debo put them last on the run, bounce, run down. So it's, that's just the way it is. All right, so here's some of our sleepers. Jeremy Banks, linebacker out of Tennessee. That's Lejay's guy. Lijay, I didn't love him, I'll be honest with you, but that's okay. Rick's guy, Avin Pace, linebacker out of Cincinnati. And my guy, who's going to be the best of the group, Cam Jones, linebacker out of Indiana. That dude mm. is crazy. Crazy, crazy, Rick. Undersized. Yeah. yeah, undersized. I wish you learned how to take it on a block. It gets smashed. <laughs> you, you know what? I almost, went, I almost went Pace, too, Rick, but I figured somebody else would. Yeah, yeah. that's that too obvious. All right, here are our top five guys. And Lee, Lee J does not have this player ranked. Rick has him third, I have him fifth. Trenton Simpson, 
out of Clemson. Number four, uh, Dayon Henley out of Washington State. Lige had him five. Rick had him four. I had him three. Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin. Rick had him five. Lige had him four. I had him two. Man, oh, man, this guy is making moves. Jack Campbell out of Iowa, linebacker. Lige had him number one. Rick had him number two. I had him number four. And finally, Drew Sanders, transfer from Alabama, linebacker out of Arkansas. Lige had him two. Both Rick and I had him number one. Lige, let's start with Jack Campbell because he is getting a lot of buzz. He was on Pete Prisco's Better Than Team. I watched him in the fall. I didn't love him, but I keep hearing about him. And I keep hearing top 40 talk. So t- sell me on Jack Campbell before I have to go back and watch some more on him. Well, I was going to say, first of all, what didn't you love about him? It's Captain Jack, man. Captain Jack. And he tested not just the 40 time, but his short area and three cone, short shot and three cone were like Jackson Smith and Jigba level impressive. Yeah. So, so, and that's the thing, right? Because the NFL has changed. He kind of looks like an old school linebacker. He's like 6'5, 250. But you, you talked it. about it, right? He can move. Like, I know he ran, I think, 4'6'5, but on tape, that's with moving. his instincts and the way he's able to run, he, he runs faster than that. Like, there's so many times you see him chasing the, the back out of the backfield and cover him. The quarterback has nowhere to go. One hand interception versus Ohio State was second to none. I think he has the best instincts at linebacker out of that everybody in this draft class. I mean, he just is always in the right place. And because of his size, shock and shed ability is, is better than anybody else in this draft class, too. So to me, I, I was surprised that Pete Prisco had him on that better than the list because I honestly think. To, you saw where I had him. Adam is the number one linebacker yeah. in this in this draft class. I think he's going to be a hell of a player in the NFL. So I watched him in October. I watched the Michigan game, and here's what I said. Uh, obviously, incredibly smart. When I watched him play, uh, sometimes he tried to run around blocks. He sometimes struggled to disengage disengagement blocks, even from tight ends. Um, he can play short zone to pass coverage, but didn't have man to man skills. I thought that translated to the next level. Had no chance in the C gap versus Blake Corum. Um, he got hit with the old rope dope, and and but I mean. Blake Corm's defense, he's pretty freaking good. Sleeper, good. We're talking about Jack Campbell, your sleeper. You're, you're describing your sleeper. I'm just oh telling you. Oh, that's fine. I, I, <laughs> the disrespect look, is real. This is this is a typical it's sarcasm. Win. It's not disrespect. This is a, <laughs> Lige, this is a typical Wednesday. Um, oh my goodness. Let's see, Rick. You had him second. You must have moved him up though, Rick, because you haven't always had him. Oh, before. I liked him in the fall. We talked okay. about him in the fall when I was homeless and living in the said when I was home. You had nothing else to do. Okay. All right. So, I, like I said, I have to watch more on him because I, I didn't love him uh, in the fall. I haven't watched him since, but everyone else seems to be behind him. So well, I'll watch that Ohio State uh, film, right? I'll watch the Ohio State film. All right. Let's talk about one one more guy. And Rick and I have talked about Trent Simpson. And, Lige, I'll get your thoughts on him because you had him unranked. And I'll just tell you what a scout told me. Athleticism through the roof. Dad in the military, he's supposed to be a great teammate, all those things. But he, I, it was explained to me, and this is what I saw, and I thought this explanation made more sense than, than me beating around the bush. He plays football like he's watching the game through a straw. Like he, he struggles to see everything that's going on around him. Like the, the football awareness isn't where it needs to be. In addition to that, he spends a lot of time on the ground. He doesn't do a lot in coverage for me. He doesn't move well lat- as, as well laterally as I would like. He'll run down plays, but if you need him to change direction, short areas in, in, in the middle of the field, I don't know if he's your guy. And, and I say that as someone talking about him as a top 32 pick. Well, yeah, I didn't have him. You saw me. I didn't have him as a top five guy. I mean, I, th- right. I think he's actually pretty good in coverage. My thing is, Rick, we're talking about your sleeper guy. Same thing can be safe for Trenton Simpson as, t- as far as taking on blocks. Now, he is a little undersized, but he, he gets eaten up by blockers on tape when I saw it. So that's one of my concerns is, as far as him 
in the run game, but the athletic ability is there, right, to cover in space. Now, you said you didn't like his change of direction. I have to go back and look at that because I thought he, he covered pretty well. But as he far can change direction, don't – yeah, that's yeah. not an issue. Yeah. It is. It is an issue. Don't listen to him. It's an issue. Yeah, I, I thought he could change direction pretty well. To me, his biggest issue is he's undersized. He gets ate up by blockers. Like, you don't see any shock and disengage when 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 alignment gets to the second level with him. It's yeah. No. So he 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 ran to the four fours. Uh, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, just one thing is is what you described, Brian, earlier by one of your sources that uh, I think the biggest thing is his C to do and how quickly his instincts are because yeah. you have to have a, I won't call it peripheral vision, but you have to have some feel for if a guy's coming down and wacky on an angle block or a guard's coming out. Right. You, you know, you just got to have a sense and awareness of some things and. Maybe it's awareness at times that doesn't show up, but this dude can drop his weight and he can run. And I've seen him get off some blocks at the point. Now, it was straight at him, um, <laughs> but the dude <laughs> dropped his weight and there's no one going to beat him to the sideline when he runs. No, I agree with all that, but I, I think if and he, he does a pretty good job coming up. I saw him get upfield on one play and, and, it was a draw, and he redirected and closed and stripped the runner of the ball. I mean, he does do some things that jump uh, off tape and catches your attention. It's just my biggest issue with him is not the athleticism. The other thing is half these guys that you watch at linebacker, none of them know how to use their hands or play with heavy hands and take on blocks. They're all runaround guys now. Um Except for my little sawed-off dude from Cincinnati, that I guy's like taller. <laughs> I, like, I, I think Jack Campbell takes on blocks well. Yeah, he may be bet, but even Drew Sanders, who I like, you know, oh, he he definitely running around. Blocks. Right, Jesus. but they run around blocks. But that's what they do in college. It's a space game, and I think that sometimes you can teach guys that uh, you know Eric Kendricks was a run-around guy in college, but he came up and very instinctive. I think he's more instinctive than Trenton Simpson. But he learned how to take on blocks. Even Anthony Barr, who, you know, I compared some of these big, tall dudes because I think when you get into Jack Campbell's of the world or Drew Sanders of the world, those guys, when you put them in the A-gaps and you blitz them through the A-gaps or you can get them isolated one-on-one with a running back, that's a mismatch. Yeah. And we try to do that all the time with Anthony Barr is because of that size and that athleticism that – if you can guess what the protection is going to be, if it's sliding to the right or to the left, and you can bring them away from where the protection is coming and they get isolated one-on-one with the running back, usually that's a pretty good mismatch for the defense. Rick, let me ask you this. So you talk about the – you would like to see better awareness from Chenton Simpson. Isn't that off-ball position one of the most – you are most likely to be exposed? That's something that teams are going to have to talk about in the draft room because – like I said, you can teach them maybe to be a little bit more heavy-handed taking on blocks or to right. stay square. The one thing that is not coachable, in my opinion, is instincts or awareness. Either you have right. that or you don't. So that is a non-coachable factor. And I don't want to compare them to the guy uh, uh, that came out of uh, Clemson that's out at Arizona right Isaiah now. Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, that was, a, that was technically almost a bust right now because he hasn't really done a lot for – Arizona for where he was drafted, but phenomenal athlete. So mm-hmm. from a linebacker standpoint, I'd almost rather take, and I, I'm being biased here, uh, but my uh, younger uh, brother that looks older than me, Chris, 
He couldn't break maybe a five flat and a 40, but there was no dude except one running back, he said, ever beat him to the sideline. And he said it was the fastest running back he ever played against. <laughs> was, uh, Bo Jackson on a Monday night when I watched him go 90 down the – Never the, heard of him. Metrodome. But <laughs> he said, now that guy can run. I, I, I could have seen it. But linebackers with instincts that may be 470-ish, but they get off the spot and they can they just have a natural feel for the position. Not a lot of guys are going to beat them at the line of scrimmage and they play faster because they're so instinctive yes. and they're off the spot a lot quicker than a guy that may be more athletic and run a 4-3, but if he's standing there like looking like a deer in a headlight sometimes, that's an issue. Well, or, right. As a great scout once told me, sometimes this guy looks like he was born on Wednesday and looking both ways for the weekend. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, so what I was gonna, what I was trying to say is that is it fair to say that the off-ball position is probably the position, the biggest position where you can be exposed in a hurry if you take a false step, more yes. so than more totally. so than playing defensive line, yes. even at safety, you have a chance to recover. But right. if you're coming downhill and you take a step backwards when you're not supposed to because you didn't read your keys, you're, you're going to be a half gosh. second late. Yep. So that's my concern with Trenton Simpson. Now, I'll go back and double-check the other things that you guys are calling me out on. I'm sure I'm right you're wrong, but that's whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but, um, all right, so that's where I'm at on him. Did you want to say anything else about Trenton, Lijay? No, I'm good. I think we said everything. All right, then that's a wrap, guys. We did it. We just got it just uh, just uh, over an hour there, Depot. Not too bad. So that is a wrap on episode 36. Remember. Hold on, story time. Oh, Yeah. We got a story before we go, Debo. We got that's a wrap on episode thirty-six. <laughs> we got story time. Le- consolation pine, <laughs> You're going to get yeah. a shirt from uh, Debo. Before, before I very quick, I know we got to go. Uh, Rick, who, what was your comp for Dayon Henley? Uh, who did I comp for Dayon Henley? Oh, uh, the kid that came out of Ohio State that uh, uh, New Orleans drafted. Uh, oh. Order. P- Peter Warner. Warner, yeah, Peter Warner. Yeah. I had uh, Drake Greenlaw. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, ah, nice, great. You love each other. You can tell the story, not Lisa. I'm tired. All right, story, story time. Two thousand eight. Rick is, I believe, VP, right? For the no, he's a general manager. No, eight. Is that right, Rick? You're a general. No, manager? he wasn't no. general manager yet. Oh, you're right. My bad. <laughs> they, they, they take an undrafted free agent at a at a UCF, and they let him walk out the door that year to the Giants. They let the Giants claim him off practice squad. Then he plays ten years later. In the NFL, Rick, what happened? You got to tell me what was going on in that meeting. You had a high pad level. You didn't stay squared <laughs> in the line. You haven't learned how to work the edges of blockers yet. <laughs> so, oh god! All things that were coachable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just uh, I, the the D line coach didn't have the vision. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lijay, who who actually cut you? Was it Rick or was it someone else? I don't think it was Rick that cut me. Actually, man, who was GM? At oh, point? when you get claimed off of a practice. Oh, no, I didn't get, yeah, I got claimed off practice. Oh, squad you're in the practice night. squad. Okay. Yeah, it's, those are people that like disappear. Where the hell are they? The next day they're on a plane with <laughs> some other people. I'll let you know. You didn't know, but wait, someone had to cut him to get him to the practice squad. So who cut you? No. Well, they, well, they cut me to put me on practice squad. Yeah, yeah. but they let you know that ahead of time. So that wasn't. Yeah, a they knew. They did. Okay. I mean, they knew going into camp that they were going to put me on practice squad. I was trying to make the roster. But Let me took, ask you uh, one last. Took, I probably talked to you. I talked to everybody. They took Guyton uh, in the third round. I mean, the fifth round that year from Florida State. Yeah, D tackle. Um, I ended up playing longer than him, though. Yeah. Uh, see, Lijay's keeping keeping. He's keeping. Oh, you got to keep them tabs. 
Let me ask you this, Lee J, before we get out of here. Uh, what was your, oh my God, th- these guys ain't fooling around NFL moment when you were in training camp your rookie season? It happened with the Minnesota Vikings and it wasn't even a physical thing, right? This is how I knew the NFL was real. Um, this is back in the day when I think we used to be able to have like 90 people in training camp or something like that. Um, my guy, Travis Keys, was a safety from Michigan State, right? So obviously it was a lot different too because rookies, we stayed like four weeks after with the vets left. So we were there for a while. So you become real tight with everybody. Um, so we get back. Um, the rookies came in like a day before and we're at the hotel. So I'm calling everybody, Yo, what room you in so I can come kick it with you? I called him. He said, bro, they just released me. Mm. <laughs> Literally like an Pete, hour that, before we got there. <laughs> That that was my oh this is the NFL and they're not playing around more. Right. I was you, like from then I was locked in from then on. There was nothing that nobody else could tell you me. You wanted to go like, play checkers. He I was, was on his way yeah. to the airport and got released. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Rick? Could have called him a week before that, right? No, back, back in the day when I was in camp, when I got cut, it was like 150 dudes in camp, and then we were going oh, two days in pads, and then oh, it man. was uh, yeah, it, it was like they cut you. They, they would cut you going through the lunch line. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you can't like, eat. You can't I, eat I, I didn't even go to lunch. I, I didn't go to lunch. They found me in my room. <laughs> they didn't pull people out of the lunch line, did they? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's bad now. They'll pull uh, you anywhere. Yeah. Training room, you all know that. What my worst cut was uh, two. I had two, but I don't know if we have time, but maybe go ahead. another episode. Debo's asleep. Go ahead. One was uh, when I was the uh, pro director in Chicago. Uh, they called me, and I won't say the player's name, said, you're one over. And we were getting ready to play a preseason game at 7 o'clock. And it was like 2.30. And to go from Lake Forest down to downtown Chicago was like a three-hour commute. So I'm in a car. He says, you got to cut this guy before the game. So I get oh, down God. there. The guy's actually in warm-ups, all taped oh, up, gosh. ready to go. I had to pull him out of warm-ups to <laughs> bring him into the uh, – Locker room. And that was, and I feel bad. I, I honestly always felt bad on cut down day. Uh, but that was one of the hardest ones I, I ever did. And one, we had to do it with a, with a dude off a plane. Uh, oh, that we had to do it because of, uh, he had not qualified. They said originally they had qualified for practice squad and we were taking him on a trip from practice squad. And then they called us as we were boarding the plane that he can't go on the trip. So I had to pull him off the plane. So I got him cab rides. <laughs> cab rides? <laughs> there was no Uber back then. Uber I was back no Uber back then. Uh. I didn't have Uber back then. No, Rick, That's you saying funny. it right now? Well, I have to do it because I'm on air, but technically it's Uber. <laughs> he, he thought it was called Uber. That's hilarious. Rick took his first Uber at, in Mobile. He had never. Everyone else has been driving around his whole life, so he had to manage to get himself to, from the airport to the hotel in, in Mobile, and he did it. So that was. And a, got ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> he got ripped off by Uber. All right, that's it. We got to get out of here. Uh, it was great talking to Lige as always. Uh, thanks for the stories at the end there. Thank you, Rick. Those are some good stories, and they didn't involve making fun of me, so I always love those. Episode 36, that's a wrap. Thumbs up. If you're watching on the old YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Leger. Thank you, Devo, for for producing. Excuse me. And Rick and I will be back tomorrow for Mock Draft Thursday. See you guys then. Bye.